You're listening to Customer Growth Sessions, presented by Intergrowth, where we talk through strategies to help up-and-coming e-commerce businesses bring in more customers. I'm your host, Pat Ahern. Let's jump in. Today, I'm really excited to have a special guest on. We're bringing on Jimmy Kim, the CEO and founder over at Sendlane. So, Jimmy, thanks for coming on today. Hey, Pat. Thanks for having me here today. Absolutely. Absolutely. So maybe let's start out with just getting through an overview. You know, tell us a little about yourself. Tell us a little about Sendlane. Yeah, absolutely. I'll, I'll give you the uh, the two-minute snippet of myself to just kind of give you a lapse of my career and, you know, uh, how long I've been around and the things that I've done. So I started my journey in life, uh, I would say, in the car business world. That was my first life that I had in 2008. When the first that recession occurred in 2008, I made a pivot into digital marketing and I fell in love with email marketing. So I joined a company, it was an e-learning company, and I learned the power of what email could do for you, right? Like the drive revenue, congregate a a tribe of people and be able to target a message out to the world of people who are interested in a certain topic or area and get them to do an action, which to the place was a click, right? To click them and get to the next place. So I fell in love with that, uh, you know, started building a business, started in affiliate marketing and started to learn a little bit of that. In that time, I ended up investing in this brand. It was a retail storefront, men's streetwear clothing. And when I went to, uh, well, it wasn't really an investment. It started off as a loan. Uh, that's kind of the fun story. I started off as a loan. I gave him 50 grand. Uh, he had a PO that he needed to fill and I gave it to him and I walked in to co collect it and figure out how to make payments. And I started talking to him and figured out quickly he didn't have an online presence. So I realized that I had a big, massive opportunity. The big entrepreneur in me said, Why don't we flip that into an investment into the company? Let me own part of this company and I will go scale this thing with you. Uh, for the next four years, we did scale that thing and uh, it was a really good success story. But during that time, I still remember the day I was just talking about it because I'm actually hitting my 10 year mark here as we're recording this pod. So, like, it's a cool story to hear. But it all started by me and two other guys that had nothing to do with each other except we're just friends sitting around a fire and we're talking about how much we hated our ESPs. Uh, back then was MailChimp and Bronto are the two options and we hated that no one understood what we wanted, no one understood what we wanted to do and no one could understand that we were understanding and pioneering the future of email at that point and we understood what we needed to do. A lot of the things that people are doing today, we were doing back then because we understood the dynamics of data and how to segment and do the different things that we're doing with life cycle. And so I, we all kind of said, let's just put that money we're going to put into that product and let's just do it for ourselves and build it. So for the next four years, we built this thing. We made a lot of money. We made over $150 million between the three of us, between our three businesses using this tool. And then in 2017, I had the opportunity. And what the opportunity was, I exited my partnership and my uh, brand. I uh, sold my other software company and I looked around and I said, what do I want to do in the world after this, right? What do I want to do uh, next? And I looked around and looked at Sendlane and said, man, that thing really made us a lot of money, but what can we really do with it? And I looked at myself and I said, look, if I'm going to go build something, I only build out of pain. That's like what I'm really good at. I, I experienced it. I know what I want to solve. And I looked at myself as a merchant scaling from zero to $10 million online uh, in a very simple direct-to-consumer channel. We knew that I had something special that we built, but I knew more. And the big thing was, God, why do I use so many applications to run and operate my Shopify store? That was the biggest thing that we learned. And I said, how do I start building the unified front? And then the marketer to me went off and said, how do I build the unified feature? And how do I bring consolidation to one place? So 
ultimately whatever happened was in 2017, I jumped all in, uh, 2018, I went and raised some money. And then I put my head down for three years to build this email platform first, because I knew that I needed to build a best in class email and the inner email marketer in me would never let me release a product that wasn't strong enough in email. So that's what we went off and did. Uh, 2022, we built SMS. We released that. 2023 uh, reviews. And as we finish this year, we released our last product, hopefully this year, which is really a forms, quizzes, surveys, and really lead generation and capture, right? And then next year, we'll continue to go down that mantra and start continuing to engulf more of the own media. So we're not done. This is just our earliest points of infancy, which is really fun. And so that's kind of been the story, man. And, you know, if listeners are listening, going, well, well what do you do? Well, we're email, SMS, and reviews for e-commerce merchants today. We specifically work on uh, what we call like the mid-market enterprise vertical, which means that you're doing about a million dollars online or more and you're growing and scaling. You've hit your product market fit. That's where we get really good with a customer because of our white glove onboarding and their CS program and all the things that we do. But ultimately, you know, that's the kind of customer we work with day in and day out. And that's who we're built for. And that's who we continue to build for. I love that overview. And it's it's funny, it brings me back to hearing that element, you know, one of my biggest takeaways was the really the unified front of Send Lane, you know, coming out not only with email and SMS, but also having reviews and then having forms coming into the mix as well. Um, I think one of the the big mistakes that I made early in my marketing career and one that I've seen a lot of other marketers make as well is in the early days saying, hey, rather than invest in one really great tool that has a little bit more cohesion between the functions, I'm going to try and find like 10, 20 different do-it-yourself tools and find a way to like glue them together. And it's really ugly. It doesn't work super well. And eventually you reach a stage where you say, hey, it's, it's time for that one unified front. Let's connect everything together. Yep, that's absolutely correct. I think, you know, it's interesting is that the whole best in breed and product thing, if you look at the cycle of software, when we had that like 2008, 2009 bubble, everyone went to consolidation. And then around 2012, 2013, everyone started to split into this best in class breed. History repeats itself in a lot of ways. I think that best in breed class carves out the use cases that are most important that a unified system can go build. And I think I've always taken that kind of approach and we're seeing it even with their adoption numbers. I mean, Clavio is a public company now, for example. So I know their adoption numbers across the books around their SMS and even their reviews now. And it's night and day between us because we built a product not on top of each other. We built it with the consolidation mind up front, right? We built it differently because we build space. We build areas that we know it's coming into the future. And we build that little area that we know, like our current product with our reply center, where you have two-way communications with SMS, we built it because there's a next phase coming to that. We're not done and we're space and there's weird information that might not make perfect sense why we built it today, but in the next 12 months, it'll make perfect sense. So to your point, there's a very different thought with that consolidation. I love that. Let's, uh, let's step back a little bit. Let's assume that we're looking at e-commerce businesses that are really just considering, hey, should I be investing in email and SMS right now? Um, you know, one, I'd love to hear from you. What would you say is the main benefit? And we'll, we'll consolidate uh, reviews into there as well. But what would you say is the main benefit that, you know, let's say a smaller business owner, they're doing a million, two million a year in e-commerce revenue. What are some of the main benefits they're going to get out of investing in a tool like Sendlane? It's really a simple thing, right? The more it, it, It's like a twofold thing. I would say there's top of the funnel and there's bottom of the funnel. We support the bottom of the funnel. We retention. So all the energy you're spending to get that traffic and to get those prospects to opt in, to get those customers to buy, 
the job that plays an email or retention in general is very simple to take them. And you've got three, three things that happen. One, you're taking prospects. You're going to try to convert them to sales. You're going to take sales, sales and try to make them repeat customers, which is the magic LTV Oracle that everybody wants. And then you want those repeat customers to make more repeat purchases, right? So that's a threefold element when I think about what retention does in a business. So if I'm taking a one, $2 million business, it's very simple. 20, 30, maybe even up to 40% of your revenue comes from your email channel. It's not because it actually comes from your email channel. It's because you're supporting your top of your funnel efforts. All that paid money that you're spending on Meta and Google and TikTok, all that dollars and cents you're spending, Email and SMS is going to take that and nurture them and bring them in to close the deal. So it's a supportive piece of it. However, of course, that doesn't always work with smaller brands, right? I think this is where people lean too heavy on email too early too as well. And we talk about, I talk about this pretty openly, but like, I think most brands should be working until they get to a million dollars really purely on the top of the funnel. Because if they can figure out acquisition, everything else is just bread and cherry on top. But most businesses can't even figure out acquisition and product market fit before they start trying to run into the next place. So once you've hit scale to your point, at least a million or $2 million of small business, you should start running an effective program and should be generating measurable revenue for your brand. And if it's not, then you will have a physical prob- a problem with your business, meaning there's no way to create repeat sales. And if that's the case, you should stop creating email marketing because it doesn't matter. You should work on top of the funnel. Or number two, you can't get repeat sales because your product's not good or your service isn't good. And that's really the two reasons it doesn't work. And uh, that's something you should be thinking about. And I love the way you put that. If you're doing you know, less than a million in revenue, like maybe don't think about email marketing yet. Focus on top of the funnel. Focus on just getting that customer acquisition figured out first. Because certainly the, you know, there are a lot of other providers out there that are going to say, you know, oh, hey, sign up for our software today, um, regardless of what your revenue numbers are. It's, it's just a very genuine way to approach that conversation. Yeah. No, absolutely. It's not good for anybody, right? If someone fails on the other end because they wasted their money with me, it doesn't help anyone move forward. Absolutely. So let's say I'm that e-commerce business owner. I'm doing $2 million a year in annual revenue. I am getting ready to launch you know, my email and SMS campaign. What maybe blanket guidance would you give to me if I'm just getting started out today? You know, I'm a do-it-yourself founder looking to launch this campaign on my own. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, when you're thinking about it right off the back, it gets really simple. Look, there's the basic stuff you need to set up. They're called flows, right? Your automations that you need to have. So your abandoned carts. And the thing is, if you've been getting and getting ready for this, you should have some rudimentary version of this already built out with your free tool or whatever you might be using. So it's to carry those on a little bit further. So number one, make sure you've got your automation set, your basic ones. You do not have to get crazy. You don't have to get deep. You don't have to go create all these extraordinary ones. I'm talking about uh, welcome emails, a browse abandonment, a post product purchase, you know, uh, what, what else? Uh, abandoned cart, of course, and like maybe a pop up email series, right? Like four, five, three, one or two, three messages each, nothing crazy. And then you go into your campaigns. That's where you, most of your bread and butter for most, most businesses are going to sit in. And that's your daily blast or campaigns. I think before you get into start just sending email to send email, what you actually need to do is sit down and realize what your marketing strategy is. And what I mean by that is, 
how is your marketing calendar played out? How are you going to be effectively working the top of the funnel while you're working this side of the funnel? How are you going to be approaching the market? Are you going to have sales? Are you going to just do flash sales? Are you just got a new newsletters? And like define your strategy. I think where I see the most brands fail is they don't even design a strategy or upfront and they just go off to send email to send email. So it's like, why are you sending an email on Tuesday? Well, because we send emails on Tuesday. It's not a good answer. That's a terrible answer. Or I do, this is the thing I see worse and I hate this. It's National Donut Day today. And I'm like, I'm a, I'm a boots brand or something like that. And they just lean on it. And you're like, that's just called someone who has no ideas. A truce strategy starts with understanding how your current business is run and how to layer that aspect of retention into that current business and being able to apply to help it generate sales faster. So if I'm going into a, into a, a brand that's starting to do email, A, I'd make sure I have strategy. Two, I'd, I'd really understand my audience. Second problem that I see in a core problem I see in the market is the lack of awareness of audience. And what I mean by that is, Again, I said earlier, a prospect, a buyer, and a repeat buyer are three different human beings, and you should not treat them the same. So if you're treating them the same in the market, then there's a chance that you're not converting them because you're not resonating them. And if, Pat, you're a super loyal customer of uh, this customer, then you feel unfairly treated is the word I would say, or you feel neglected. And we often feel that, right? And so that's where these things start to matter because that's when things move faster and faster through the cycle ultimately, right? So that's that's kind of the way I think about it. And then the third thing I think about is copywriting. It's actually something I start mentioning because I think it's super important. People don't realize how important the actual words that you're putting out, not the design. I know we all have fancy designs. We can all get the greatest designs, but the words and the message matter. And that's when it starts to actually matter because your conversion rate, that's the difference between getting a couple conversion rate points or not. And that's really the thing that people don't think about. You got to be able to write or you should go hire someone who can help write this. I'm actually super supportive of people going to get agencies until they're probably a, a $20 million plus business or even beyond. I actually, with the margins as slim as they are in direct to consumer and retail and e-commerce a lot of the times, Agencies are actually very cost-effective ways to build their businesses. And I believe that a lot of brands try to bring in things that are in-house that they have no, no actual, like, what's the word? Expertise in, right? Like, if I'm a founder doing $5 million right now, and my email is supposed to generate me 30%, that's $1.5 million, right? Are you sure you want to take responsibility of that $1.5 million? Or could you go pay an agency five grand a month for 60 grand a year to take care of that one point? I'd heck. Let them do it and deal with the managing and make sure that they're hitting their numbers, right? Like that's the way you should be thinking about it. And even when you scale further, I mean, you know, unless you have that expertise. So all those are just the fundamentals that I would assume an agency would be able to handle as they're bringing someone in. But the reality is this is how it should be. And if you still want to own in a house, no problem. Just know that you need to be doing this because if you truly want to leverage and make the money you're supposed to make with email and SMS, you will do it correctly. And doing it correctly creates time, energy, and really good skill set. So that's kind of my, my thought process. That was phenomenal, Jimmy. So I guess one, one that would be interesting to hear your take on, because you had mentioned you know, a few minutes ago, like, hey, I wouldn't recommend investing in email and SMS until you hit a million in annual revenue. One of the other things you mentioned is like, hey, you know, agency is great solution for email SMS management until you hit about 20 million in revenue. So let's talk a little more about that middle ground in between them. So at, in your opinion, at what stage is a business big enough that they should be investing, you know, call it anywhere from like three to 10K a month in a retention agency that can manage that part of the process for them? 
Yeah, I think as soon as you get to about a million bucks, you need to start thinking about getting a retention agency because at that point, look, let's just say you're spending 5K or three, 5K a month. Again, I've used the math. You have a, hundred, a million dollars. If they're generating $150,000 or $200,000 at that point, and you're spending 50 grand, 60 grand, like the ROI is not that great, but it scales. And I think that's the thing that you have to understand if you're working on it, because eventually your job becomes getting more people on the top of the funnel, customer service, product awareness. You should be spending less time on the channel of that. You can have experts kind of run that ultimately, right? And then when I say like, oh, when you continue to go up, why do I say 20? Because I think at 20, you start to have optionality. Meaning like you have enough money in the company that you can make a decision that if you want to bring it back in house, you could, or you can go continue to continue to work with the agency that you want to and continue to grow. So you start getting optionality at 20. That doesn't mean you have to stop. I think that you should always be thinking about how to weigh in those things because oftentimes there is not enough work for a retention marketer to do full 40 hours in e-commerce. They often become generalists and it seems like a lot of revenue to have to give to a generalist. That's what I continue to go back to. You really want to let 30 to 40% of your business go off to one person who's going to do retention and also does your shipping and also does your uh, customer service because you know, you're tight on money. No, have the right person over there and hire the agency on the other side and you can put yourself in the right shoes, right? Like that's the way that you should be approaching it. hundred percent, like it a hundred percent is true in a lot of businesses, especially one with thin margins. Building upon that, when you, in a lot of cases, you work with an agency, you're going to get A, that outsider's perspective coming into the mix. B, you're going to get a lot of different skill sets coming into play. You know, you may have one main account manager, let's say you're working with, and then a team of strategists that are coming on board along with that copywriter, designer, you name it. So definitely agree with you on that front. But let's say taking the inverse of the question about the, you know, switching from business that is just getting started with email marketing, let's look at a business that, maybe has been doing email marketing for a couple of years, but they're still managing it in-house. What are some of the biggest mistakes, specifically very costly mistakes, you see a lot of these businesses making that you'd encourage people to pause the pod right now and go fix this or make sure that you are doing this correctly on your existing campaigns? You know, you know what's funny is I, I, I once had a person come into the business and he was my CTO and this is 2019. And when he came in the business, I was like, man, we just got started. We got a billion problems, dude. And like this fire and that fire is happening and this and that. And he kind of looked at me and said, Jimmy, I'm going to tell you something that's really weird. And it, and it applies in the story. That's why I'm telling you this. But he, would tell, he told me, these problems exist no matter how big your business gets. They just appear in different ways. So now I'm going to jump back to your question. What differences? Well, it's not anything different than I just told you that you should be doing when you start. Those fundamentals change, right? But they're still the same fundamentals. And often we get lazy or we hand off these things. And I actually see, and I always laugh, more, the smaller the business is often, the more complicated their stuff is and the more overthought their stuff is and the less it is as it moves up market. So if I'm, if you're talking to someone who's got an established business and I go back to the same thing, I said, A, is your audience management? How is that? How are you thinking about that? How are you uh, going through that? Are you splitting them up? Are you identifying? Are you understanding the life cycle? Right. And then number two, it goes into Actually, you start adding in more layers because you got more data on people. So you have more trends, you understand people. So your copywriting gets even more effective because your personalization should get even stronger at that point, right? And then the biggest thing that I would say is 
man, the bigger the company, the bigger the marketing strategy that they've got around it, the easier it actually gets to define your strategy to work around what's actually happening in the business. If I've got a Labor Day sale coming up or whatever, a Christmas sale, whatever, and I've got the, you know, let, let's just use Black Friday since we're, we're recording this as coming Black Friday, right? Look, the business is going to already have a defined Black Friday playbook, a Cyber Monday playbook. They probably want to have a sale in the beginning of Christmas, beginning of the December, like a 12 days of Christmas sale leading up to their final shipping day sale. One, two, three, four. There's your marketing strategy. Now work around it, right? A lot of times you'd be shocked how that's not actually defined with the business, even at that stage. And I think that's the things that I would say, again, going back to the fundamentals, a different version of that story, but aligning with those really the fundamentals of how you make sure you're connecting to the entire business and not just to that, right? So those are things. And then you start adding in other areas. I think this is where people get even... uh lost sometimes often, but pe people start adding. So you start adding things like, how's the business doing? Where is the overstock? Where can I focus on the business? How can I help support the business move inventory? Uh, these are all things. And then of course, looking at, you know, more information about future products and getting them ready and priming people and getting people into the right place. Like that's where those kind of strategies start to break in. But to go back to your question without getting too deep, man, like it's still the same fundamentals, just a different version of it. Absolutely. So I'll, uh, I want to put you on the spot here and, and ask you to, you know, compare yourself head to head with, uh, with Clavio a little bit here. But, you know, let's say a business is considering Sendlane versus Clavio. In what scenario would you say that someone is better suited to work with you guys as opposed to Clavio or, you know, let's say another retention tool? Yeah, absolutely. So number one, I think when you're thinking about, let's start at the top of the, as a retention tool. There's like 2000 email marketing tools out there. But here's the reality. We're not alike at all. Because we're four different things. There's an email marketing for, for, uh, for you know, yoga studios or for electronic companies, for software companies, for SaaS companies. There's a different verticalized version of all of them. So number one, find someone who supports the vertical that you're working in because it's going to make your life a lot easier from integrations to different things that come into place. So there's step one. Then when you start diving into it, you need to start understanding what you're looking for on your side, Right. You know, when I think about ourselves, we stand out because of a lot of things, but the core three reasons we stand out right now is one, our customer support, right? The way we support and have customer success wrapped around our brands, there's no bar none. We treat them like part of a, almost like a fractional team that joins the, joins their team and we work and wrap ourselves around. That's number one. That's a lot of people love that about us. Number two, uh, the deliverability side. Look, doesn't matter who you work with, but if they don't understand deliverability, that should scare you because that should be their core competency. That's where we're really strong. That's really something that we've figured out on our own. We've got our own network. We do not sit on a third party. So that's number two reason. Number three, how does the pricing work? I think it's important to know how it scales with you and how it grows with you. And if it's effective and friendly towards your terms and making sure you have that. And then last is really just features and like how to use it in product. And you asked a question, like if you ask yourself about Sunlane versus Clavio, I give people this kind of explanation often. You know how the PC and Mac, you have a PC user and you throw them on a Mac and they get all confused because everything's just so much easier, but it really effectively does the same thing. And if, when you want to get robust, you can sure get robust, but you don't have to often. Well, that's kind of how we like to treat ourselves. Like I always tell people like, we're like the PC and Mac game. Look, Clavio is great, super customization. They like the PC though. They get really nerdy and geeky and things that most marketers don't really care about or understand what's going on. Where the things that they do care about, they've got to click 19 times to get to this thing. We've kind of solved for that. We solved for the use cases around where people are really spending their time. And most users will come in without real training and be able to actually understand how to use our platform. So 
you know, those are just some of the reasons. I've got way other reasons why, you know, from feature sets to things that we do to data and future marketing moves that we've created inside of our platform that you can't even do today on Klaviyo. But those are the core reasons why people make the move. Great overview. So let's let's talk a little about ramp up timeline. So you know, let's say I'm that e-commerce business. I'm doing uh, I'm doing a million in annual revenue, getting ready to sign up for Sendlane. You know, part one. How many hours should I expect? You know, maybe as a founder to put into getting Sendlane up and running for my business. And then would also love to have you weigh in a little bit on you know what sort of timeline should I expect until I start getting revenue coming from all this campaign time that I've been putting in. Yeah. I mean, at a million, I would hope that you had at least had some fundamental email running at this point. Meaning like, I don't say you need a tool like Sendlane or Klaviyo. I say you should be using a tool like Shopify email, which is free and only use paid when you actually use it. So at this point, you've started doing a little bit of it. So you should start bringing that over into the platform. Setup time, it's going to take you a solid 10 to 12 hours to set up, right? Like you got to write some emails. You got to write some copy. You're not going to like the way the picture looks. You're going to go design it 17 ways. You got to go through the motions, right? You're going to get your foundation set up. I told you about the five basic flows that you'd set up. And then you just start sending some campaigns out and start doing some light email. Again, you should have already been doing a version of this. You're just going to be learning on a new tool now and you're going to have a lot more power. So you got to figure out what you need or don't need. So I would say that in an effective program, if I'm a founder and I'm jumping in and I'm not super email technical still today, in the first week, I should be able to start getting myself into position to see revenue on week two and hopefully starting to see a smooth constant flow after that. So it doesn't take much when you're at a small scale. Perfect. Perfect. Well, Jimmy, this has been great. How can people get in touch with you? What's, uh, I guess, what's the best way to, to reach out to you? If people have follow-up yeah, questions so or want to learn about Sendlane. Yeah, I'm active in two very specific channels. Uh, X, right? Twitter, formerly known as Twitter. I don't know when we're going to stop saying that, but yes, X, formerly known as Twitter. And then of course on LinkedIn. So I talk about a lot of things, forward retention strategy. Uh, I talk about the evolution of the playbook, deliverability. I talk about a lot of challenging things that I put in front of retention marketers. I'm pretty active on social between LinkedIn and uh, Twitter. You can find me on either of them and uh, feel free to DM me. My DMs are always open. And as long as you're not just trying to pitch me and sell me, most likely I'll respond to you. Jamie, this has been great. Thank you for coming on today. Yeah, absolutely, man. Thanks for having me again. Thanks for tuning in to Customer Growth Sessions. If you found it helpful, subscribe and give us a review. It helps us to grow the show. Looking for more SEO guidance on how to grow your business? Contact us at innergrowth.com slash estimator or email me directly. You can reach me at pat at intergrowth.com. That's all for today. We'll see you again soon.